listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Nut Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're back and in effect with another new episode here in the offseason. As always, you're joined by your hosts, Bob and Dan. Dan, what up? What up? How's it going, Bobby? It's going well, man. It's been a busy week for myself here, so I'm, I'm ready for this weekend to pop up. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. It's been a, it's a tad bit busy with me as well, but uh, excited to get back to it and talking some fantasy with you. Man, this offseason just keeps getting better and better, right? It's one of those things where uh, you expect kind of things to even out after the draft. The drama will taper off. It, to me, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder, uh, where just more and more bizarre things happen. Yeah, it's not really been a dull moment. This is normally when, you know, basketball, since it's in the playoffs, really dominates. And maybe those baseball fans, I'm, I'm hockey. not one of them. Yeah, hockey. Stanley Cup. That's right. Yeah, so NFL is making sure to keep themselves very much in the news here. Here. And we're definitely going to talk about two running backs here in the news portion uh, of the episode. But just to set the table, in this uh, episode, we're going to talk about regression candidates. So Dan and I are going to look at both positive and negative regression candidates for this upcoming year based on performances from last year. So this is always an interesting show because either way you look at it, it's going to impact your draft uh you know expectations on that player so it's one of those ones where if you do a little more digging maybe you don't get burned by using you know too little or waiting too long to invest draft capital in certain players and i think the interesting thing is is that it's not necessarily just a one-year look back anymore it's not a term in terms of well what can he offer me uh he had a pretty crappy year last year uh, you know, I'm not high on this guy. I think all of the offseason stuff you need to take into consideration. And additionally, the new faces, the new rookies, uh, new coaches, new schemes, all those things can change. You know, somebody who you looked at as a fifth or sixth round pick uh, into somebody you need to start looking at in the second round, even. Or even in those circumstances, people more likely than not that were first round picks now that you need to shift your attention away from those guys and start looking elsewhere for the talent level that you expect out of that value of a draft pick. Yeah, so it's definitely a, a good episode to talk through those. I know Dan and I went back and forth to make sure we all had different candidates. So this is one where we just showed, hey, I'm going to talk about this guy. You know, you're going to talk about this guy just to make sure we don't overlap because we want to make sure we cover as many players that would fit this mold as as possible. So we're going to do quarterbacks, we're going to do running backs, and I left it to pass catchers, so I left it open. Um, I'm personally going to do wide receivers, but Dan, uh, you know, there was that possibility that maybe a tight end could sneak through. So we'll see when we get to that uh, part of the episode. But Dan, let's go ahead and kick it off with some running back related news. And I know you got one. I'm going to start off with one that I just did. Um, and that's Le'Veon Bell. And I'm just going to start it off by saying I think Adam Gaze might be an idiot of a coach. I, I don't know how to read this guy. And when I when I look back at it, so let me share the note here. So uh, from Roto World, this should go over well in Jets headquarters. Anyways, this is believed to be one of the big, if not biggest, disagreements between Gaze and now fired GM Mike McKagan. McKagan, not sure how to pronounce that name, but it was the signing of Le'Veon Bell, and it was the big money signing of Le'Veon Bell. Gaze didn't want to spend a lot of money on any running back in the league. Gaze likes Bell as a player, but isn't fan of the money part of it. And I know Bell had already had a response here, but when I look back at somebody like Adam Gaze, who, who hey, kind of ruined some some high quality running backs for a couple of years in Miami, is that what you're going to talk about? That and the fact when I look back at it, his whole career has been made by Peyton Manning destroying the league in Denver a few years mm-hmm. back. He's yeah. done really nothing of note. He seems to take rosters that have a chance, sort of imploding them, and then shipping players off like Jay Ajayi, who sort of came on and and really dominated the one year. And then the next year, Gaze barely wants to play the guy, and and it looks like Ajayi is pretty much done. Right. And and I... and that, that's somebody who, you know, was people were like really excited about for like two or three games two years ago. Right. Jai, 
Uh, and then it was like, eh, I'm, I'm kind of sick of handing him the ball off all the time. So we're going to put in somebody else. And then you got excited about Kenyon Drake for like one or two games. And he's like, eh, I'm going to get, I'm not going to hand the ball off to somebody else. I mean, he just doesn't stick with one high caliber, high quality running back. Who's obviously producing. And I don't have an explanation why, um, but I mean, that's kind of going to play into someone who I see as a regression candidate and it's left bell. I mean, it's honestly, that's who I would be talking about uh, just because, I mean, the outside situations surrounding this and the, you know, the failure to appear at OTAs and voluntary workouts and things like that. Uh, I mean, this isn't the Steelers. So this isn't the same playbook. This isn't the same plays. This isn't the same personnel. This isn't the same talent level. Uh, so, I mean, I think this is all going to come into play and I'll talk a little bit more about it, you know, when we get into it, I suppose. But, uh, I, I this is a puzzling situation to me. Um, I always said, I, I, you know, pay him the money. He's earned it. Uh, but nobody seemed to want to do that other than the Jets, frankly. But I thought it was a good signing because you've got a second year quarterback. Yep. They didn't really have a, a very effective run game now. Crowell, Powell, somewhat McGuire. They had their moments here and there, but it was never something where you could lean on it. I expected bigger things out of Crowell in that Jets backfield because I thought he was just going to take over. And he had one nice game where he broke a super long run. Other than that, he had a largely forgettable fantasy season. Right, yeah. And now now he's sitting for an entire year with an injury. Uh, So I I don't know how many more times you're going to be seeing him. Um, And and then McGuire and eh, nice here and there. But uh, those guys are definitely not Le'Veon Bell. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to invest like where people were drafting him last year, that draft capital this year, not only because of the change of scenery, but also because of the talent level that's existing in the league right now in terms of elite fantasy talent. That That's what you need in that first round is elite fantasy talent. I'm not convinced at this point um, that I'm, you know, I'm that it's a proven commodity still. I guess. Yeah, I just I, I, why upset the cart with somebody that could be a 75, 80 catch guy for Sam Darnold? I just don't. I don't get it. I, I just don't like. Yeah, well, Some more research him. I just don't. I don't like the guy. I, I agree with that too. I, I don't get why. I mean, there's nothing. There, I, I don't. I haven't heard anything positive about this. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like Le- Le'Veon Bell signed there. You got a premier running back in the NFL, which is frankly not easy to come by. And and you don't see here like one person being like, oh, my gosh, we got him. I mean, I guess there's some fans out there and Darnold and some guys like that, but not really much outside of that guy who actually signed him, you know, were thrilled. And I guess you can hear that because of the coach. But and, and, now, and now he's gone from the organization. So right. Figure that one out. Right. So that's going right. to be interesting because I'll be honest, Le'Veon Bell is somebody that will probably be in play where I pick in our league of records so i'm going to be paying close attention to this one but dan let's shift to another running back you had some news that you shared right before we jumped on that i did not see and that's about christian mccaffrey (laughs) yeah christian mccaffrey and this was off of roto world um said that he is hold on let me let me access where i was i apologize uh he's gotten Way stronger than he was in 2018. Uh, apparently, his workouts this offseason have been extremely intense, garnering a lot of attention. Uh, and he says, you could always get bigger, faster, and stronger. I don't have any choice. I have to. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? I don't even know what else could happen because uh, I mean, he's in an offense that's built around him now. Uh, I think it's a situation where Cam Newton is, uh, you know, it's a, just the Cam and Christian show. Um, I just I don't know how this guy could get any better than he was last year, Bob. It's astounding to me that they're like, yeah, yeah, he's getting way bigger. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gonna get bigger. He's gonna be even tougher to tackle. I mean, if he's if he's bulkier and as quick as he is, this is gonna be another monster fantasy season. And barring the, and this was a guy, Dan. Happening. This was a guy that there were questions of can he be a workhorse, and he played the highest percentage of snaps for a running back, ninety one percent. So if he's adding muscle which will give him more durability the sky's the limit for this guy i mean i mean it's already the limit but i mean good god 
I know that in, that in year one, in the year for, first year that he came in the league, you and I, that was our first year for our dynasty team. Uh, and we had high draft picks in that round, which was a running back heavy. And people were like, trade the picks, trade the picks. It was like, eh, no, we're going to get these. We're going to get backs. Um, we got rid of Mixon. Yeah, hindsight, probably not the greatest idea. But we also have McCaffrey. Uh, and in hindsight, keeping him was the best thing we could have ever done because we've got a, uh, you know, I think what we were thinking is that we've got fantasy studs at every position, which we do up until this whole Tyreek Hill um, debacle kind of went on. Um, but I, I'm very excited to see what McCaffrey uh, does this year. Personally, um, I, I, I don't think you can, with what he showed last season, uh, I, I think there's a strong argument to make, to be made, that he should be your overall number one fantasy player in your overall number one pick. To, to, and I don't think it's league dependent either, or format no. dependent. Because he's got the PPR stuff absolutely 100% covered. In fact, I think he's a better – he should definitely be the number one in PPR. In standard scoring, uh, the rushing touchdowns and the passing touchdowns and the yardage are there that are going to get you massive amounts of points. Uh, and the other thing is is the big play. If you get the big play bonuses, I mean, those things are there too. He also gets all the goal line carries. I mean, th- this is kind of what I, f- I think you and I were kind of hoping would happen with McCaffrey. Right. Uh, but also, I-, I don't think we expected this much out of him. And it's just very exciting. A very exciting time if you're a dynasty owner and you have Christian McCaffrey on your on your roster. Preach, Dan, preach. <laughs> so, yeah, that covers the news and notes. Like I said, two important running backs, two players that could be first-round draft picks, uh, at least in Le'Veon Bell. It's probably a swing pick in most leagues in the second round. So something to keep your eyes on for both of them. Um, but at this point, Dan, let's go ahead and start discussing some regression candidates. So what we're doing with regression candidates is we're looking at positional players that maybe had a down or a very good year and saying, boy, this could go one way or the other for this player. And we're going to talk about why we think that they are positive or negative regression candidates. So, Dan, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Who's your positive regression candidate for quarterbacks? This was actually really tough for me. Um, so by positive regression, you mean somebody who had a pretty crappy season last year and that's going to improve this yep. season. Uh, I, I mean, uh, the, the actual – it was the opposite. Uh, people who are going to regress was very, very tar- tough because there is like a I think there's a clear tier system in the NFL in terms of fantasy quarterback options. It's the strongest position. And you usually think it's it's the strongest position because you're usually in a 10, 10 or 12 team league. And you can get there's there's 12, at least 12 fantastic quarterback options. But when you start getting lower, uh, there's like not anyone you really <laughs> should have any interest in. Um, but I think that my. Uh, positive candidate, the guy who's on the rise, is frankly, I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson. And I I think Lamar Jackson is on the rise because I I think the surrounding cast is improving. And I think they're making it a point to make him the focal point of the offense. So I think last year, he was not even guaranteed to be the starter. Uh, He was basically an afterthought. Uh, They had RG3 there. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, halfway through the season, really, where you know, they actually kind of realized, you know, Flacco is just not getting it done anymore. And now I need some Lamar Jackson. And then I don't know if you remember this, but uh, and you do because it's someone from our hometown. But uh, we used to have a quarterback back in the day uh, who, who was similar to Lamar Jackson. A little slash. A little slash. That's right. Where, you know, people didn't really have a lot of confidence in his quarterback ability and things like that. But eventually he got to the point where he was, you know, a, not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but a serviceable um pro quarterback i think lamar jackson's better than cordell stewart uh i don't mean to draw comparisons to that but it's just you know the hometown favorite there right um but but i think that the you know the draft was kind to him this year and i think this offseason there'll be a bigger focus on i mean the rushing numbers are there uh the, the rushing numbers are, are top notch i mean there's nothing you can say um that really can you know i mean he's over twelve thousand. no hold on i'm sorry uh i mean he had more rushing yards than most quarterbacks and the passing is not there 
Um, but I think he's going to bring it full circle this season. Uh, he's got Brown coming in as a rookie receiver, who's a very highly touted rookie receiver. He got Mark Ingram there. Uh, I think they probably try to have him move outside the pocket, kind of when Big Ben was first coming in the league and he had still had some legs to him. Uh, so I can see that there. He's got Hayden Hurst as a tight end, who was a highly touted, talented offensive weapon coming out of college. So this is really what was a kind of an older team last year has really made a transition transition to young talent um, surrounded with some veteran help. So uh, I, I really think that Lamar Jackson, somebody who you, you probably, yeah, I, I mean, to me, uh, I, I'm probably not drafting him in anywhere in the first 10 rounds. Uh, but I mean, if you wait on quarterback, I think you can do a lot worse than having him streaming him a week or two, seeing what happens. Uh, or at least having him on your bench sitting as the backup. If you're in a super flex league, having him as your second quarterback because you're going to get the rushing numbers guaranteed. If he can uptick the passing, um, I'm not talking Patrick Mahomes-type activity, uh, but the rushing's there, and if he can hit some of those downfield throws, you know, maybe you'll get those long balls. And, uh, you know, I look to be in a big a big improvement for this guy this year. Yeah, that's all it is. If he improves the passing, the ceiling's exponentially higher for this guy because the rushing will be there for him at all times. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, Dan, mine is one that... <laughs> Uh, still probably not going to touch him in any drafts, but somebody to keep an eye on, and that's Derek Carr. So, if you, oh, yeah, he bit I, me. He bit. He bit me hard last year. Um, you know, when we started going into uh, these, uh, kind of started doing this. Uh, one of the things we did was, you know, people who could be uh, kind of fantasy surprises, and I picked Derek Carr, and he was not. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because when you look at his numbers as a total, it might paint a little bit of a different picture. Um, there's one area that he was deficient, and I'll go through that. So a lot of the thought of this is he's now playing with the best wide receiver in football. So if you can't get better with Antonio Brown, that's on you now at this point. I actually like having Tyrell Williams on the other side, who was a sneaky source of production, you know, even a, you know, last year and definitely a couple years ago. Uh, with the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Here's where my the numbers in the research sort of surprised me a little bit. In his first year under Gruden, he had his highest completion percentage at 68.9% and his highest passing yard total, a little over 4,000, 4,049 yards. The problem with his stat line was he threw for his lowest touchdown total of his career at 19. Well, I mean, you, I mean, I don't think you can directly attribute that to the strength of a running game either, because uh, Marshawn Lynch not necessarily didn't set the world on fire last year. Retired now. Uh, now you're gonna have a rookie, a, a rookie running back back there. Um, so I guess you could see maybe perhaps an uptick in the in the passing TDs, but go on, go on. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. If he can keep the completion percentage and yardage up and raise his touchdowns to anywhere between 25 to 30, he has a chance to jump into the quarterback one discussion. And with Antonio Brown, who's averaged 12 touchdowns over the last five years running, that should help. And if he can't spread it around to, you know, to other receiving options like Tyrell, J.J. Nelson, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, Jalen Richard, he's just not that good of a quarterback. So a lot of it is not what I like in his skill set. It's a lot of they've done some good jobs building an offense that, that can highlight his strengths. Now he's got weapons where he should be able to raise the touchdowns. Now, this is not a guy that I am going to be drafting. But it is a guy with Antonio Brown. If they're starting to catch a connection of any sorts and this offense looks more dynamic than it did last year, maybe somebody that you're picking up in the waivers early to see if the hot streak continues. But, I mean, he's an obvious one. If he ups those touchdowns at at all, uh, which I believe he should, um, he's definitely a positive regression candidate for this year for the quarterback. I guess my big concern with Derek Carr is, is how short of a leash is he on? Um, because the Raiders were in the mix for Kyler Murray uh, in the offseason and things like that. So you weren't really sure um, how things were going to go. Antonio Brown's reporting and he's doing everything he needs to do. So you would think that there's a chance that they'll probably have a chance to kind of get on the same page practice-wise and stuff like that. Um, But I guess my big concern is is that – I guess we'll see this year. This will, this will be the litmus test, I suppose. Yeah, this is it. If he, like I said in my in my note, if you can't produce this year, then he's just not a good quarterback. It's just, and, that's and, what I, it is. and I'm going to say it's not only a litmus test for Carr. It's the test for Antonio Brown because let's be honest here. 
So, I mean, if you look at it in terms of, you know, the scales of justice here, when you're putting the weights on and things are evening out and things like that, uh, you know, at what one point it was, okay, Antonio Brown's playing with a very talented Hall of Fame level quarterback. So is it more of the quarterback talent, offensive line, or is it more Antonio Brown? You couldn't really tell because, you know, outside the times where you had a horrible, horrible, horrible backup quarterback in, regardless of who it was. Um, So this now you're going to see. I think you and I would both agree. Ben Roethlisberger. And Derek Carr, not really in the same conversation in terms of talent. Not at all. Um, and fantasy production, right? Um, same thing with Derek Carr. Um, this is this is an elite receiver. Uh, he has elite receiving talent. Probably the best receiver he's ever played with. Uh, is it going to be okay? Derek Carr's got the talent, or is he going to hold Antonio Brown back? And if that happens. When Antonio Brown is not necessarily pleased with not getting the ball, what happens then? And there's no longer the safety valve of Jared Cook there, and you've got a rookie running back. I I don't know. This offense has a lot of things that need to happen for it to come together, and I'm a little concerned that this is almost a recipe for disaster. But to your point, Bob, if he can up those TDs, the offense becomes more dynamic with the addition of all those players you you laid out. Uh, Tyrell Williams is a sneaky, sneaky pick, I think, in drafts. I, I think that's someone who you need to look to late in your fantasy drafts. I, I'd take a flyer on him just because of the deep threat he was while he was in San Diego. But yep. it's a it's a uh, it, it'll be an interesting scenario. I think there's a lot. We'll learn a lot about two players, Derek Carr and Antonio Brown this season um, in terms of where does the real talent lie? Exactly. So, Dan, I'll go ahead and I'll do the negative one first, and I'll toss it to you. Um, my negative actually is Big Ben, and this pains me to say because he's the quarterback of our hometown team. But let me go over why he's my regression candidate. Did you know that in Big Ben's 15-year career, he has never thrown for the stats that he did last year? Let me give you his comparisons. His attempts last year, 675. His next highest was 608 in 2014. Who were the receivers in 2014? Ooh, 14. That would have been A.B., probably Mike Wallace, and Emmanuel Sanders. I think. Off the top of my head. Let me. I'll take a look. Carry on, my friend. His completions, 452. Next highest, 408 in 2014. His yardage total, 5,129. Next highest, 4,952. Once again in 2014. Touchdowns, 34. Next highest was 32. That happened in 2014 and 2007. In 2015 to 2017, he averaged 336 completions on 513 attempts for a little over 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns. That was his averages the three years prior to last year. If he were to just hit those averages... This is how much of a decrease he would get over his stats from last year. There would be a 25.7% decrease in completions, 24% decrease in attempts, 9.2% decrease in yards, and a 23.5% decrease in touchdowns. You lose Antonio Brown. You lose Le'Veon Bell, which I get it. He didn't have last year. But now you're going with Juju Smith-Schuster, who we really like, James Washington, who could be good, Dante Moncrief, and and the rookie out of Tulane. And <laughs> there could be a lot of variation that gets him back to his averages. While they're still good stats, they're not going to be the stats that he had last year. And for those reasons, Big Ben is my regression candidate for the negative side of things. Yeah, that that I, I can totally see that happening. Um, but I mean, if you look at these 2014 receivers, uh, it was Antonio Brown, um, Marcus Wheaton, wow, Justin okay. Brown, Derek Moy, uh, and Martavis Bryant. Okay, that so was yeah, his, it wasn't Emmanuel; it was Martavis. And right, so I mean, that's a year where. You would probably have to say at least maybe comparable receiver talent. Okay, I get Antonio Brown not. Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, he is not. I get that. Um, But we really don't know 
that quite yet. I, I think last year showed you that Big Ben can support two big-time fantasy receiving options. Um, and, and there are some rookies there now um, in terms of Steelers receivers. But in 2014, he did more with less. So I think but he also had Le'Veon Bell, correct? He also he also had Le'Veon Bell, correct. And let me correct myself, Dan, before you go on. I said Deontay Johnson was from Tulane. I meant University of Toledo. So go ahead. University of Toledo, the Rockets. Uh, so I, I think there there is an opportunity for there to be a, a drop off. Uh, but also last season he had James Conner. So I, I think a lot of things will have to kind of go a certain way perfectly for Big Ben to be able to repeat at the fantasy level he did last season. But I agree there there are too many unknowns at this point for you to feel confident about, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to get the same production there. Uh, sometimes I feel like I overlook Big Ben in terms of fantasy I always football. Because I'm always like, eh, I'll, I can find somebody who put up bigger numbers. And routinely, <laughs> He's just a monster, a beast. Uh, so it's one of those things where I think he flies under the radar because you don't necessarily – I mean, again, I think he gets his, the respect warranted to him in terms of being a winning quarterback. I don't think a lot of people consider him a statistical Goliath like he actually is. Right. Uh, in terms of fantasy production. So I, I like it, Bob, but I, I think there's a chance that he does even more this year because of – you know, the absence of Brown and the maybe perhaps hopefully fingers crossed for you and me, the emergence of Vance McDonald in the tight in the tight end position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. So, Dan, who is your negative regression quarterback? And as I said, whenever we started to talk about the positive, this was really hard because there's such a, I think, a two tier kind of system here for fantasy quarterbacks. I don't think that there's a lot of people who are just like middle of the road type guys, because those middle of the road type guys, you don't really need on your team. It's a one position on your roster type situation. There's enough elite talent right now for you to get one of those guys. So in terms of that, you and I were discussing this earlier. I said, really, the only guy I can think of who probably had the best season, maybe in, in terms of had the best NFL season uh, last year overall, I think, um, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And it's not that I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a fantasy bum. Uh, it's not that I don't think Patrick Mahomes would be the first quarterback off the board. I, I just don't feel 100% confident that you're getting the same level of production that you got out of him last year. And I know people are going to reach for him. I know they are because he wasn't even on anyone's radar last year. I mean, some people grabbed him as a late, late round flyer. Right. Most people picked him up off free agency off the waiver wire and then went on to win the league in most circumstances. But I mean, let's look at the team. What's happened whenever he started off the year last year, the running back was who Bob Kareem hunt, Kareem hunt. Okay. Uh, fantasy stud surprise fantasy breakout for two or three years ago. He gone. He's out. Who's the number one receiver right now? That would be Tyreek Hill was. Now he still could be, but I don't think that's happening. <laughs> right. I'd say very unlikely. If he's there, uh, just maybe this will change my opinion. Very unlikely. So I think you're probably looking at Sammy Watkins as your, as your number one. Eh, a little long in the tooth. Doesn't tickle my fancy, Dan. <laughs> little, little long in the tooth. And... Uh, not really a super, you know, exciting option. Now, if Meikle all of a sudden, you know, does his very best uh, on the field impression of Tyreek Hill, then maybe we're back into it. Um, at that's, the same time, I mean, that's asking I, I a lot because Tyreek Hill is a freak of an athlete. I mean, say what you will about him as a person. On the football field, the stats are there. <laughs> now. Okay, so I'd say downgrade at running back, downgrade at wide receiver, tight end. He's as got dominant as he got. He's got Gronk 2.0. I mean, at some point it's going to be unfair because Kelsey's so good to even compare him to Gronk. Right. So just say he's got the best tight end in the league, arguably, you know, you know, the best, at least a top three tight end. 
So that's really the only one that's kind of stayed kind of consistent. So if you expect him to run out onto the field without his number one running back, and granted, I, I get it, the uh, you know the running back that's there, Damian, Damian Williams, Williams yeah. had a nice run through the playoffs, showed he still had some pep in the step. But did absolutely he, nothing in Miami. Yep, and, and let's see if he can keep that consistently as a number one running back when he couldn't do it in Miami. Right. Um, I mean, you're looking for somebody who put 5,097 yards up, 50 touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy, crazy fantasy season. And then three tu- two touchdowns rushing. Um, I, I just – I'm not confident with the downgrade – and surrounding personnel skill-wise that that you're going to get that. So, I mean, whereas if this is the same Chiefs team uh, this year, Kareem Hunt is there. If Tyreek Hill is there and they add Meikle and Kelsey is still there, I mean, I'm I'm saying, heck, I mean, that's a guy that you can set and forget. And... uh, I don't know, Bob. I feel I don't know. I I would really struggle, you know, after I knock out a, a number one running back, a number one wide receiver, and if for some way somehow Kelsey falls to me, I'd have a really tough time in that fourth round not saying, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go Mahomes, and I'm going to get massive fantasy points out of the quarterback every single week. Now. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate to say I'm getting another wide receiver, I'm going another running back, because I don't think you're going to get that same level of production. Yeah, there's only been three ever 50 touchdown seasons, so the regression's built into that right alone. He's going to regress in the touchdowns, which means sure. he's going to regress in his fantasy points. I totally agree. Right. So Dan, let's go ahead and move into running backs. Who's your positive regression running back selection? Okay. So this is a guy who I think broke a lot of hearts two years in a row, Bob. Uh, oh boy, this is a this is a guy who uh, really, really, um, I just in a bad, bad situation all around, and it's David Johnson. Oh yes, my guy from a couple years back. Okay, so. David Johnson came on to the fantasy football scene and made himself instantly a stud. It's a situation where uh, if you look at his stats, and he's really not been in the league very long, four years, it's only been four years. You know, week 2015's first year, yeah, he's in 16 games, he had eight touchdowns. Um, and they were, there were a lot of big plays that season for him, too. Right. Uh, so, so you know, okay, good. Now he's on people's radar a little bit. Uh, 2016. Kaboom. Ma- massive breakout year. Massive breakout year. 16 games played, 16 games started, 1,239 yards, 16 total rushing touchdowns, Bob. 16. Yeah. 16. Tackle on that all- passing or the receiving. Yeah. 80 receptions for 879 yards. And four touchdowns. I mean, that is a massive fantasy season. That, that's like what, I mean, that's almost like McCaffrey-esque. Uh, it's Before really there was McCaffrey. And it's approaching Todd Gurley in his massive seasons the past two years. Right. I mean, that's the type of production that is right there. Right. And then you come in at 2017. He's the first overall pick in most fantasy drafts. Consensus overall pick. Sorry, uh, Greg. Sorry, Greg. And then... Uh, injury and he's out for the season. Devastating, just devastating. Uh, and then you say, okay, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Uh, we're gonna get the same David Johnson back. And I bought into that too. And man, what a, what a letdown. Uh, and I don't think it was his fault. I, I think all year one of the themes for Arizona was you're not using David Johnson right. Why are they not using David Johnson right? Why are they not using David Johnson right? That and he was stymied behind a horrible horrible quarterback situation um and now it's a i i think i'm hoping it's a different situation not only do they have coaches there that know how to use david johnson 
um, because the coaching staff is turned over. Hopefully they're there, the ones that do know how to use them. Um, but also I think you're bringing in Kyler Murray, who uh, is not like Josh Rosen in terms of he's a little bit more mobile. Not, not just a little bit, he's a lot more mobile. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think the talent level is obviously different between him and Rosen. If it wasn't, they wouldn't draft it. So now you're getting a dynamic dual threat quarterback, which you know are huge um, in the NFL right now. Uh, and you've got a up and coming receiving core with Christian Kirk and um, Mr. Long in the tooth with a wily veteran, Larry Fitzgerald there. So you've got a better looking Defense. Was that Larry Fitz long in the tooth? <laughs> yeah, Larry Fitz long in the tooth. Long in the tooth. Yeah. So uh, I, I just – I expect a bounce back season, and I know it's another rookie quarterback, but I just feel like it's a different type of rookie quarterback where you can kind of use Kyler Murray as a misdirection. I mean, look at what Lamar Jackson did for the for the Ravens running backs this year. I mean, the Ravens became one of the best rushing teams in the league, and it wasn't just because of Lamar Jackson. It was because the running backs improved because of Lamar Jackson being there. So I think you can get that. Plus, with a rookie quarterback, I expect there to be a lot more checkdowns, swing passes, things like that, which David Johnson thrives in. So uh, I'm not saying he's back in the first round for me. I'm not even saying maybe – I mean, let's be honest. He's not making out of the second round. Um, because the talent is too high. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you got him in that second round that you're like, this is a bargain pick because he was a consensus number one overall pick at one point in his career. And by the way, that was only two years ago. That wasn't like eight years ago. It right. was two years ago. Right. Yeah, Dan, I'm going to tease it. Uh, I will be talking about a Cardinal as well. So I agree with your points on the offense for sure there. <laughs> so let me go ahead on my positive regression running back, and that's Mark Ingram. So he finally has a chance to be a lead dog in an offense that leads heavily on the run. So the Ravens had the third highest run uh, split at 49.6%. And I know we think Lamar Jackson's going to pass more, but I don't see that split getting much, you know, it's going to get higher in, in favor of the passing. But, I mean, a 55-45 split, uh, you know, I could see that being like the ceiling on passing. So there's a lot of attempts here in the mm -hmm. run game. Last year, he it was a down year for him as a, a runner, but remember, he was suspended the first four games of last year. Right. So, came back, they really got him going instantly, and then sort of stumbled, and then he had another big game, and, you know, obviously, Kamara's always there, who's a, a elite running back as well. So, But in the two games last year where he was given 15-plus carries... He put up games of 16 for 53 and two touchdowns, 16 for 103 and two touchdowns. So the more work you give him, he's going to batter people because he's a, he's a stockier, bigger framed running back that has depth hands so he can catch the ball really well mm -hmm. and he can get the ball in the end zone. In 2016 to 2017, he averaged 218 rushes, 1,084 rushing yards with nine touchdowns, 65 targets, 52 receptions, 368 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So you're getting double-digit touchdowns and closely around 1,500 yards combined. With the ability to be leaned on heavily in both the run and dump-off passes, I think he can get around those averages, which would make him a great positive regression candidate that you could easily feel safe with as you're running back to this year. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I think he's definitely in, a, in, in probably the best situation he could be uh, after leaving the Saints. Uh, I, I don't see anybody there who's going to try to take carries from him. Uh, I think he was brought in there to be the lead dog. And he's going to get the touches. So, uh, and you're now you're on the best, one of the best rushing um, teams in the league. Uh, so you would expect the numbers to go up. I, I think you're you're spot on with that, Bob. Yep. So that's that's really all I have to say. He's a guy I'm definitely targeting in best ball leagues and redraft leagues. Any league I can get him, I'm probably going to be targeting. Where do you think he goes? What uh, round? Late third, early fourth, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I can see people even going with him in the second round, expecting him just to kind of take over the backfield. Yeah, if you believe I mean, in them that much. I mean, running backs are probably going to be falling off the board around then. So, And let's be honest, running backs that are not in timeshares uh, are tough to come by, are really tough to come by. I, I mean, let's be honest here. Where, uh, where do you – Mark Ingram, third, fourth, maybe second if you really like him. 
Where are you taking somebody like Jarek McKinnon? Nowhere. I'm not. Where are you Jared. taking some? Where are you taking someone? Where are you taking someone like uh, Tevin Coleman? Nowhere. Rada. Those guys. I mean, it's a it, double now, digit now, rounds. Yeah. Now you've gone from you know a two person timeshare to a three person backfield. I mean, those are nightmare scenarios for you know fantasy football uh, because what you need is volume touches and right now. Uh, there's maybe five or six running backs in the league where you can probably confidently say that they're going to be the main focal point of the running game. Um, and, and now Mark Ingram, you can kind of add him into that mix. Uh, but it, yeah, they're, they're tough to come by. They're going to go off the board quick. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't last into the third round or to be the first pick in the third. Yeah, that might, that third, fourth might be, it probably is late on my estimation. So um, but hey, if he falls to you, you're getting a deal. Though, oh, right? Heck yeah, big time. Greg value. So Dan, I'm going to go over my negative regression running back, and this is probably low hanging fruit, but I have to bring this up. It's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> did Did you know that Adrian Peterson was the eighth leading rusher last year at 1,042 yards? Did you know Adri- Adrian Peterson went to school with Woodrow Wilson? That's how old he is. Oh, good old Woody Willie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not surprised by. I'm not going to be surprised by any. AP stats, whether they're positive or negative. I, I don't know what to think about him this season. Uh, it's puzzling. It, it's very puzzling. The why I'm bringing up, I mean, listen to the stat line he had last year. 251 for 1,042 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, a 4.2 yard per carry, 20 receptions, 208 yards, one touchdown. So a very nice season. But the reason I want to bring him up is because the Redskins did sign him to a two-year contract. So it sounds like there might be some mixed signals on Darius Geis' ACL recovery. Right. So he could be somebody that, as the preseason goes on, if Geis is really struggling to get back on the field, AP then becomes the guy. And he still might be pictured as the guy to start the season. But here's well, something. I mean, he was the guy last year. I mean, let's be honest. He was the guy last year. Uh, I mean, you had some uh, action from, oh, what is his name? Yeah, Chris Thompson. Yeah, Rob Chris Kelly. Chris Thompson. Yeah. Oh, Rob Kelly. Yikes. Uh, yeah, Chris Thompson uh, out of nowhere uh, on the third down. But really, it was AP. He was a serviceable two, running back two, in my opinion, last season. Uh, do I think he's going to be there? To your point, unlikely. Un- unlikely. So go on. So stat, stat it out for him. He's 33 and will be 34 in, in the season. Do what? Wanna, do, you want, <laughs> do you want to know some notable rushing performances age 34 or higher? Can I, before you get into that, it's crazy to me in terms of when we're talking about Adrian Peterson, we feel like he's been around forever. And then you're like, oh, he's so old. And I said he went to high school with Woodrow Wilson. And then you're like, oh, my God, he's only 33. Yeah, he's, he's younger than us. <laughs> right. So I, I take out, I take that back. Uh, I take that Woodrow Wilson terrible joke back. Yeah, so here's some things to keep in mind. Age 34 or better, best rushing, rushing performances. John Riggins, 1983, age 34, 1,347 yards. John Riggins, 1984, age 35, 1,239 yards. J.H. Johnson, 1964, age 35, 1,048. You notice there is nobody earlier than 1984 when I wonder the if, league was all rushing. I was like, I wonder if Buffalo is going to try to bring Frank Riggins out of retirement to come back. Buffalo Bills, yeah, bringing Riggins behind. Um, yeah, uh, we're getting Riggins and, back. When was the last time you played? 1985? Yeah, so, I mean, but that, that's the thing. That was when the league was heavily rushing, and you could have these anomalies like, uh, you know, plus 30-year-old running backs you know, dominating the league and rushing. I just don't how, see it. It's all it's all against him this year. How old do you think Frank Gore is? Uh, thirty-five. Thirty-six. Yeah. Good guess. Here's the other thing about AP Bob. Who are the receivers in 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 Washington? Trey Quinn, Josh Doxton, and I have no yeah. clue. Do you like any of those guys? Really? That's a negative ghost writer. Okay, and who's the quarterback? Maybe Case Keenum. Hopefully Dwayne Haskins because he's got to be better than Keenum. They're also throwing around Colt McCoy. 
Uh, is Jordan Reed still going to be there? Let's gonna see. We're going to make another Jordan Reed bet this season. I guarantee you that, my man. Oh, beers and on Jordan Reed. So, I mean, last year AP showed I can handle a huge workload. Uh, I, I don't know if he can handle it then. Handle it now. He might be able to. But the other thing is, is that I don't know what else there is there other than him uh, in terms of talent, skill position wise. So if, if I'm a defense taking on the Washington Redskins, I'm going to say, uh, good luck throwing the ball because uh, that's what we're going to try to make you do. And we're loading the box and good luck, AP. Uh, we'll see what you can do with this. Now, to AP's credit, he was catching the ball a lot better last year than I think you've seen in previous years. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see it this year. And I don't necessarily say it's because AP doesn't have that same level of talent because he probably does. He, he proved everyone wrong last year. I just think he's in an awful, awful situation team-wise right now. Yep. So, Dan, who's your negative regression candidate for running back? Well, I already talked about him. It's my friend Le'Veon Bell. And uh, so routinely last year, uh, this, our, this, since we've started this, it seems like we talk about one player more than anyone else. It's just because at the time we started doing these podcasts and we started talking fantasy routinely, uh, you know, for, for other people to kind of enjoy. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has been going through contract disputes, free agency holdouts, um, back and forth with players and things like that. And, and it's just been a, a big conundrum. And last season, um, going into it, um, I was of the opinion he's not he's not playing at all. He's sitting the whole year. And he did. So you have a you have one season in which you've not played NFL football. Okay. So then there's all the drama about whether he's going to be re-signed and all that stuff. And now he ends up on the Jets, massive contract. Okay. Bit back to business as usual. And it is back to business as usual because he's not at any voluntary workouts. He's not at anything else. Um, in the years where he was with the Steelers, I felt like, yeah, who cares? I mean, he knows the playbook. He knows right. the players. What's the big deal? Yep, right. And let's be honest, if he has an off game, beginning of the season, we've got Big Ben, we've got Antonio Brown, we've got other skill position players who can kind of pick up the slack. Now, you're basically saying, Le'Veon Bell, this is your team. You don't have Ben Roethlisberger to bail you out. You don't have Antonio Brown to bail you out. It's all on you. So now we're going to ask you to do. Yeah. Let's look back. Let's look back to his last statistical season. So back in 2017, he was with the Steelers and he had 15 games played. 1,291 yards, nine touchdowns, 321 total attempts, and that was rushing. Receiving, 85 receptions, 665 yards, two touchdowns. Okay. So now we're going to need you to come in there. We're going to need you to do that again after being off a year, not knowing the playbook having a second-year quarterback, having a less-than-talented receiving core than you had in Pittsburgh. So if I'm a defense, I'm going to say uh, I feel pretty good about letting Darnold try to beat us. I don't feel good about Bell trying to beat us because I feel like I'm going to probably make you beat me with Darnold. Right. So do I think the touches are going to be there? Yes. Frankly, because they have to be. I mean, I, I don't see anything else, any other, any other way for the offense to be productive other than letting it flow through Le'Veon Bell. So the volume will be there. Will he bust long runs? Absolutely. Will he be a lethal receiving threat out of the backfield? Yes. I mean, I don't think that you're getting, you know, some kind of Joe Schmo off the street. You're getting an elite football player. I just don't know if you're getting the same Le'Veon Bell that you expected to get every single year he was with the Steelers. So where perennially he's a first 
round pick top five pick right yep every single time you go to the draft Lev Lev Bell's going top five within the first round I mean it was just kind of routine like who's going to get the chance where is he going to fall now I mean I don't even have him in in my first round frankly um I would I would probably if I'm in the later parts of those rounds I'm looking at some of those elite receivers and let's be honest the top five right now Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey, Camaro, who's getting a full workload on the Saints, and Todd Gurley. I would rather have all those five backs right now before I'd have Le'Veon Bell. Now, let's be honest. You can get back to form, be a fantasy monster, absolutely possible. But there's too much of a question mark for me to waste that level of pick on Bell at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that is going to require a lot of uh, attention going into the year for sure. So. Let me give you one example. Would you rather have Melvin Gordon or Lev Bell right now? Melvin Gordon, not even close. Right. What about uh, James Conner? Le'Veon Bell. Hmm, I probably would say Lev Bell too. Um, but Melvin Gordon, so there's six there that you and I probably would rather have. Uh, as opposed to getting Livy on Bell. And then, trust me, I'm not going to be surprised if he goes in the first round. I have a top five pick in our draft record this year. Uh, Livy on Bell's back in the kitty. Uh, I'm not grabbing him with my pick. You guys can all let, you can let everyone know <laughs> I've not drafted him this year. Uh, but uh, there is somebody who I am going to draft, and I'm praying to God he falls to me. If he doesn't, there will be other options, but we'll see. So, Dan, let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to our pass catchers. So, Dan, who is your positive regression candidate for pass catchers? I know we had some, we had picked one, but there was two guys that I was kind of tossing around in my head. And the first guy I already talked about was DJ Moore. And I think DJ Moore now clear-cut number one receiver. Uh, Cam Newton, if he comes back to full strength, um, I think that's kind of an easy one. He had an okay season, but I could see him, you know, jump, make a big leap this year in year two. Uh, the, the offense doesn't need to go through him. It goes through McCaffrey. So I can kind of see him busting loose. Uh, but it's a rushing team. So the other guy who kind of came to mind was actually uh, Mike Evans. And uh, I know you have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Mike Evans, Bob, uh, just because there's weird, awesome, amazing Mike Evans seasons. And then there's some Mike Evans seasons that are not necessarily, you know, what you expect for where you draft him and what you kind of what kind of comes across with the name. But I think now that he's in an offense run by Bruce Arians, uh, you and I have experienced kind of the offensive boom that comes from that guy. You saw it in um, Arizona when he was there with Kurt Warner and things like that. I mean, the guy's got a, a bunch of talent in terms of scheming and putting people in chance in in places um, where they're going to be successful uh there are some concerns there from the quarterback perspective and not necessarily the running games using super but uh i mean last year he had 1524 yards and eight touchdowns that's a lot i mean and he's gotten progressively better every single year starts out year one 1051 Year two, 1,206. Year three, 2016, monster season for him, 1,321 yards, 12 touchdowns that year. 2017, comes back to earth a little bit, 1,000 yards, 1,001 yards, five touchdowns. And this year, big uptick again on um, yardage with 1,524 in touchdowns. So uh, I think this year you kind of saw what he can do yardage-wise. He was the focal point of the offense. So you've got OJ Howard in there taking some, you know, some of the pressure off of them. You got Godwin there, who's going to have to draw some attention away from the defense, which hopefully lets Mike Evans get a little bit more uh, free than he has been able to in previous years because it's really been him. Um, so as long as the quarterback can support him, and I'm hoping the Arians coaches him up, I think that Mike Evans, you know, while he's an elite receiver right now, I think he's 
kind of left out of the mix in terms of, you know, big name fantasy relevance. I, I like him a lot this year. I'm counting on him to be my clear wide receiver one in my dynasty league. Um, so I'm hoping for a even bigger breakout season. Um, I'm hoping for like, and, and I don't know if this is possible, Devontae Adams type numbers this year um, out of Mike Evans. He's got it in him, the talents there. Uh, as long as Arians, you know, does what he usually does, uh, I'd expect Evans to be a, a, a breakout candidate. In fact, depending on how the offseason goes, uh, not second round, but third round. You know, I'm I'm pretty happy if he falls to me there. Yeah, if he makes any ascension, he's in the mix for the number one overall wide receiver. So for sure, that's definitely a possibility in his skill set. And Dan, I teased it earlier, but I told you I'd talk about a cardinal. Mine's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, he couldn't have been in a worse offense last year. They finished dead last in total yards, three thousand eight hundred and sixty-five. The next closest was Miami, a little under over forty-six hundred. And they were dead last in points at 225. Next was the Jaguars at 245. So this was as bad as it can get. Even with that, he still put up a decent stat line. 112 targets, 69 receptions, 734 yards, 6 touchdowns. In the previous three years, 2015 to 17, his age 32 to 34 season, he averaged 152 targets, 108 receptions, 1,131 yards, seven touchdowns. Now, they did get an influx of young wide receivers, like you said, Kirk, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, but Kyler Murray can lean on Larry Fitzgerald while he grows and learns as a quarterback. And per Roto World, when talking about his one-year $11 million contract, his base salary puts Fitzgerald in the top 20 of average value at the wide receiver position, suggesting that Cliff Kingsbury can lean on him as a vital part of this offense. So with all that in mind, the fact that he averaged top 24 type numbers ages 32 through 34, he's in a much better offense, a more dynamic quarterback. There's no reason why he can't jump back into a top 24 option that you're going to get at a massive discount, especially in PPR leagues. He, he will be a definite value there. I mean, he was a keeper in our league of record last year, I think. In last year, going into it, he was like, I think, a seventh rounder. Right. If I remember correctly. Right. Uh, I, I, I think he probably stays right around there. Um, also, but you know, if Kirk has a lot of hype coming, uh, out of camp and has a big off season and things like that, it, it could be a situation where people are going to let him slide a little bit more. Uh, somebody who I think absolutely deserves to be drafted in, in any format, um, I think it has a little bit more value PPR-wise, though, personally. Yeah, totally. But his averages, I don't think he gets to that level. But I think he can sneak back into a top 24 option, which he was not last year for sure. So, Sure. So, Dan, I'm going to close out my portion of it with my negative regression uh, pass receiving option, and that's Adam Thielen. And... I'm gonna give some reasons why Thielen was awesome. You've last lost, year. you've lost that love in Thielen. Uh, I'd still <laughs> love to have him on my team, but here's here's where it goes. Last year, awesome, 153 targets, 113 receptions, 1373 yards, nine touchdowns. He was ninth overall in receiving yards in the league. In his previous two seasons, he scored nine receiving touchdowns. So now is it expected that he's going to be nine or higher? I don't know how to read that. But here's where the alarms went off for me when I did research. Weeks one through seven, his 16-game pace was 203 targets, 153 receptions, 1,879 yards, and 11 touchdowns. His weeks eight to 16, his 16-game pace for that time period, 114 targets, 82 receptions, 980 yards, seven touchdowns. While nice, not anywhere close to his first half of the season pace. So what wide receiver is it? And one thing that I, I think, and I think he's going to be healthy this year, is when Dalvin Cook was healthy weeks 8 through 11, he had 15 rush attempts and a little over three receptions. So there's 18 touches. Mix in a see, healthy... Let's hope Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, though. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's had, definitely a thing. We've had two seasons of Dalvin Cook not necessarily showing himself to be the most durable back out there, but you're, you're correct, Bob. So, yeah, I believe a healthy Cook will mean more rushing, more clock control, and this team was bottom four in run-pass splits, only running 37% of the time. So, mixing all that in, the fact that his second half of the season somewhat fell off a cliff compared to his first half. Stefan Diggs is always there. 
there's just a lot of things that I can see. Now, I would still love to have this guy on my team, but yep. there's some reason for concern, and that's why he's my positive neg- negative regression candidate. So, You you drafted Thielen last year in our League of Records, No, correct? Craig did. I, he was in the oh. mix for my keeper, but I did not keep him. Okay. And, well, where would you have kept him at that year? Ninth, I think, ninth, ninth. round, which would ninth have been round. a home run. Yeah, that's killer value. Um, so he's, he's absolutely jumping – um, up rounds this year, I would say probably fourth he, round he, at the latest. Yeah, he's he's in that third fourth turn discussion for me. So I would feel comfortable with him if I had. I'd like to have another receiving elite receiving. I I think he can be elite, but I also think there's room for him to come down if Stefan Diggs keeps emerging as well. So, well, let's say somehow somehow some way you get Odell Beckham in the first round up. Uh, Feelings there in the in the third, you take and you get a good running back. Some of you had on your kind of on your radar uh, in that third round. In the second, you take Feelings in the third, or are you waiting to see if you grab him in the fourth? I'd take him. I mean, at take that him. point, yeah. Because yeah. Wicked sense. Hurt, he's your yeah. number two, and even his uh, downtick and pace in the back half is a good wide receiver two type of season. So for sure. So Dan, for close sure. it out. Who is your negative? Um, regression candidate for pass receivers. Now, I'm sure you you almost thought I was going to pick Antonio Brown because of <laughs> because of kind of what we had already talked about. But I am going to pick somebody from the AFC North, frankly, uh, and it's going to probably hurt you to hear this in terms of you know we have him on our dynasty team, but it's going to be AJ Green. Uh, last year, I think we were both of the opinion that A.J. Green was undervalued in terms of people were kind of forgetting about him and with without good reason um, because he's had massive years before, um, several years over 1,000 yards. But frankly, he, he's only had one – he's had two seasons, well, three seasons with double-digit touchdowns. Um, and those years, there, there really wasn't an elite wide receiver with him. Um, now, with the emergence of Tyler Boyd and the emergence of Joe Mixon, uh, I don't think you need to lean on A.J. Green as much as you had to before, right? Yep. So those numbers are going to drop. Not only because of that, uh, but the injuries are starting to kind of add up for him too. I mean, he only played in um, nine games last year. So he missed a big chunk of time. He only had 694 yards, six touchdowns. And then he had that one touch year, one game where he had like four. So, I mean, in nine games he had, you know, they weren't really spread out very much. Right. Right. Uh, that in Dalton, I don't know what's happening with Dalton. You and I last season were high on him, and then we saw the disaster that this season was. I'm not going to be high on him again. I think he's going to if he if he's drafted. Uh, I don't think he, I think he could be a surprise, but I'm not necessarily confident um, that he is making it work again. Um, plus, you got a new coaching staff. You don't have a uh, tight end option there. Uh, I just have overall, and the offensive line is not necessarily great. Uh, so I have some concerns in terms of the offense overall, um, which I think could negatively impact AJ Green, much like it did last season. So while I still think, you know, last year he was in the third, fourth round, um, I'm not going to be surprised if you get past that fourth round and he's still there. Uh, I think that's probably a little bit of a bargain, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm not going to be surprised if he's in the fifth round at this point. Yeah, wow, that would be a fall. I, I don't think he gets there. I think he's late third. Uh, I keep saying that with all these players, but I think that's his range. But if he drops, uh, I would definitely snatch him up. But, yeah, I mean, there's room for concern with the injuries and just the change in offense. We'll, you'll definitely see how that goes for sure. So. But that closes up our regression candidates. So always feel free to tell us what you think on our social media, our email. Uh, but I think this is a good discussion. So it's people that you know you might have to take a second look at when you get into the draft season. But Dan, let's go ahead and close out the show. As always, follow us on our social media at NotTakesFF, N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F, Twitter and Instagram. You can email us, NotTakesFF at gmail.com. You can visit our podcast homepage, anchor.fm 
forward slash not takes FF. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot FM forward slash not takes FF. You can listen to our podcast there. You can interact on the podcast there. The best thing about it is you get links to all 12 platforms that we're on. Uh, you can click on that, go right to the platform of your choice, subscribe from there, and you're good to go. You can rate, review, and subscribe for our Apple listeners. Uh, five-star rating and review really helps the show. We appreciate anybody that takes the time out to do that. But wherever you listen to us, make sure you subscribe so you get the episode as soon as it downloads. Dan, why don't you go ahead and shout out your brother for the theme song to the Not Takes Fantasy Football podcast. It's a song called Alma, written, performed, everything about it, done by my brother Tom. Uh, if you like the tune as much as we do, uh, check him out on his SoundCloud. He's that dude, Tom. And like I said the last time we got together for a podcast, Bob, he actually was able to uh, work with people across the internet, uh, people doing vocals and drums and stuff like that to put a, an album together. And it's a uh, just like a, a bunch of people across the country who aren't no, necessarily close together, but like metal and make a song. And the song on there is just so happens to be Alma. So uh, check that out too. And uh, big shout out to Tom for letting use it. Much appreciated, my man. Keep up the good work. Yep, Dan, and we'll get together this time next week. We'll talk over what topics we want to go over then. Hope everybody has a good weekend. And, Dan, I will talk to you later.